the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Let's pray. Dear God, we ask you to join us here this morning. We trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Today, we read the account of Jesus' baptism. Actually, we only read about two sentences about Jesus' baptism, but it's enough to hear the words that I think we're all so desperate to hear. With you, I am well pleased. Don't you feel like you'd do almost anything to hear somebody say that? With you, I am well pleased. I certainly would. Um, I was thinking, actually, as we were reading our collect for the day, did you hear me pray that prayer? Grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior. Have I kept that covenant? (laughs) Have any of us? I, I was thinking about that even as the words were coming out of my mouth. Keep the covenant we have made. Boldly confess him as Lord and Savior. I was thinking about how to please God as we all so desperately want to hear him say those words, with you I am well pleased. And if we have to boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, I'm not sure how well I've been doing. I have a friend who's a true extrovert. You know these infuriating people? who are really good at talking to other people. It helps, of course, that he's the most popular person I've ever met. He was the homecoming king in high school and prom king, and everybody who meets him likes him. Except me, of course. I hate him. (laughs) But when we were in college, we were in this Christian group together, and he got it into his head that we should be doing what he called contact evangelism. And if you've never heard of this, I hadn't either. It's apparently walking up to absolute strangers and talking to them about Jesus Christ. In other words, boldly confessing him as Lord. That's bold, right? Uh, There's nothing maybe more bold than walking up to a complete stranger and talking to them about Jesus. I was less self-actualized then, so I signed up for this (laughs) torture. Or, more accurately, I went to the planning meeting and then quit. Because it was something that I thought I should be doing. I wanted to do something to please God. I wanted to hear those words, With you I am well pleased. And so I thought that I would do a thing that scared me more than Freddy Krueger. To walk up to a complete stranger... And talk to them about Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, I didn't make it past the informational part of the first meeting. But I was in the group long enough to know, to learn what we were supposed to say to start this interaction with this random person that we were going to boldly proclaim Jesus to. Now, what you were supposed to do was walk up to them and say, Hi, my name's Nick, 
you, of course, were supposed to insert your own name. That was hilarious. Come on. (laughs) You're supposed to say, do you believe in God? And if so, how do you think he would reveal himself in the world? This is what we were trained to say, right? Boom, you're off and running, right? Great theological conversation, no problem. And if you play your cards right, another soul saved. Hi, my name's Nick. Do you believe in God? And if so, how do you think he would reveal himself in the world? Wait, where are you going? (laughs) In our reading this morning... In our reading this morning, though, we have sort of the point of no return. We have God revealing himself in the world, answering the contact evangelism question. Because from from Christmas through his childhood, Jesus could have been just sort of a weird coincidence, right? There were a lot of old prophecies that his life was fulfilling, but no direct evidence that he was anything special. Even his alleged virgin birth could have been played off as Mary just sort of keeping a secret. The evidence, it turns out, or as it seemed, was all circumstantial. There wasn't anything yet that could hold up in a court of law. As Tom Cruise said in A Few Good Men, it doesn't matter what I think, it only matters what I can prove. And you couldn't prove anything about Jesus yet. Mary had been visited by an angel, she said, but at this point, that was almost 30 years ago. And Jesus hasn't done anything really remarkable, and everything was sort of fading back into normalcy. But then he gets baptized. Luke doesn't even give us the impression that his baptism started out as anything special. It certainly wasn't private. Luke says that when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized. So you get the impression that Jesus was just a part of a big group that was going through this ceremony on that day. John probably spent most of his time waist-deep in the Jordan, right? With sort of crowds around him, long lines of people coming to him. He would baptize them, pray with them, and send them on their way, and move right on to the next person. Remember... At this time, it was John who had the big following. Jesus was still sort of a nobody. And even though John kept saying that he was only pointing the way to someone else, John was the one who was the one. And this day was no different. But then, all of a sudden, this day was very different. Because God is now going to make it official. This is God's answer to the contact evangelism question. How would God reveal himself in the world? You want to see how I'm going to reveal myself, says God? Just watch this. Jesus is praying, probably alongside a bunch of other people who'd just been baptized that day, and then the skies open. The skies open. The Holy Spirit descends upon this one man in the crowd. In bodily form, it says, like a dove. Descending so everyone can see it, and a voice comes down from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. 
Now, did you check out the psalm that we read from today about the voice of God? The voice of the Lord, it says in Psalm 29, is a powerful voice. A voice of splendor. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedar trees. The voice of the Lord splits the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the oak trees writhe and strips the forests bare. This is the voice of God from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And Jesus goes in this instant from seeming like another guy in a huge crowd to being one of a kind. A voice from heaven, remember there's only one guy who lives up there, says, you, this one, this is my son. With you, I am well pleased. It's re- re- reminiscent of the creation story, isn't it? We, uh, we have the Lord creating all the plants, the animals of the land, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, but he's not quite pleased, right? And then he creates humans, and he says that he is pleased. And then a suitable helper for Adam hasn't been found, And then God creates Eve, and yes, that's it. Perfect. With Eve, Adam is well pleased. Of course, the pleasedness doesn't last all that long, right? God creates humankind, and we immediately start breaking the rules. Adam and Eve eat of the apple. Cain kills Abel. We build the Tower of Babel. It all goes downhill pretty fast. So God sends the flood. You know, he thinks, okay, I'll start over. He saves Noah and his family, and everything starts again. God's people get themselves into a little trouble in Egypt, but God leads them out of there. He gives them land, and he gives them a set of laws to live by. But they're breaking the laws before Moses even gets down the mountain with them. Right? They, they send Moses up the mountain to get the laws from God. And before Moses gets back, they've melted down all their gold, made a calf, and are worshiping that. Basically, for the run of the Old Testament, all those thousands of years, God is displeased with his chosen people. They're still his, and he still works to save them over and over again. That's the good news of the Old Testament. But make no mistake, they are a trying bunch. Read Judges sometime. I know you have every day of your life. But now, here comes Jesus. And the often exasperated voice from heaven says, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. A historically displeased God is now well pleased. So I just want to say a word this morning about pleasing God and how we might actually go about doing that. 
In the book of the prophet Micah, there is a verse that has been stuck in my head since high school because there's a Christian song that uses this verse as the lyrics. This Christian song is the least imaginatively titled song in the history of songs. It's called Micah 6.8. I'm not making that up. And the verse that it uses as its chorus is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Um, Micah, a prophet, is telling the people how to please God. Let's start with verse 7. Micah says, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then Micah chapter 6, verse 8. How to please God. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You want to know how to please God? Don't give him, you know, the usual sacrifices, rams, oil, firstborn children. You really want to please God? Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. Years later, it'll be said in a different way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Different words, same message. Pleasing God is about the simple things. Acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with your God. No problem, right? Of course, the evidence shows that maybe it's not so simple. Because God has spent the years between Adam and Eve and John the the Baptist being displeased with his chosen people. They never do what he wants. They're always complaining. They have not acted justly. They have not loved mercy. They have not walked humbly with their God. Apparently being told how to please God doesn't make us any more able to do it. And guess what? We proudly continue their tradition. Act justly? Love mercy? Walk humbly with our God? How often do you get ready for sleep and think, I bet I really pleased God today. Not very often, right? If ever. This life we're living, my dear friends, more often than not, is not the way to please God. Now, as we do so often in life, we've started with the bad news. If anybody ever asks you, do you want the good news first or the bad news? Always take the bad news first. You always want to get the good news At the end, always finish with the good news. But the bad news does create a problem. But it's a problem, I think, that is familiar to us. It's a problem that's close to home. The nagging worry that we're not pleasing God. The fear that we're choosing the wrong path. That we're not living out our lives the way that Jesus would. 
Now, the Apostle Paul is dealing with this exact worry when he writes his letter to the Romans. He tells the Romans who, by the way, he has never met, that they're not pleasing God. (laughs) Hi, my name's Paul. We've never met. You're not pleasing God. How does he know? He says, there is no one righteous, not even one. See, Paul knows the history of the chosen people of God. He knows all the stories about how they didn't do what God wanted them to do. But most of all, he knows himself. He says, there is no one righteous, not even one. I don't know you, says St. Paul, but I know you're human. So I know enough. But Paul doesn't stop there. There's always good news to follow the bad. He says that while all have sinned, every single one, and fallen short of the glory of God, we are justified, made right, made perfect, freely, by his grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And just like that, bad news becomes good news. And just how good is the news? Let's remember once more that voice that came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Many Christians believe that the good news is that Jesus, the good news we believe is that Jesus enables us. See, I was going to say enables. Jesus enables Jeebles. We think that Jesus enables us to please God. On our own, we think, of course, we can't act justly, cannot love mercy, we cannot walk humbly with our God. But with Jesus' help, we think, we can do anything. See, Jesus was supposed to help me be better at contact evangelism. But the news we have is so much better even than that. If that's the good news... I've got great news. Jesus means you don't have to please God. Say that again, because you don't believe me. Jesus means you don't have to please God. That voice from heaven that morning so long ago did not did not say you are my son the beloved and you will give these others the ability to please me no the voice said you are my son with you i am pleased jesus pleases god not me jesus pleases god not you. I didn't need to do something that I didn't want to do in order to please God. We don't need to do anything to please God. Listen again to Paul's letter to the Romans, this time from chapter 8. What the law was powerless to do, God did. We think that the rules act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. We think that these things 
are the way to please God. St. Paul says, what the rules were powerless to do, God did. He sent his son to do what we can't. God did what the rules couldn't. When we don't act justly, he does. When we don't love mercy, he does. When we don't walk humbly, he does. When Jesus had been baptized with the crowd and was praying, the skies opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. God is pleased with Jesus. Well pleased. And we are in Jesus. Jesus has pleased God, so we don't have to. And that is the best news of all. Let us always remember as our consciences groan, and as we begin to fear again that God is displeased with us, that the words he spoke to Jesus apply through his sacrifice to us. You are my children, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Amen.